I'll say this. I, I don't know. It's a car, right? Yeah, I love it. That's why I like my car. He loves it. Huh? I have no idea.
to Psalm 46. If you have your Bible, if you don't, you can uh, look up on the screen and follow along with us. We are in the New King James Version. Uh, that's the one that I typically read out of uh, and preach out of. God is my refuge, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were removed. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above, among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The instance of the writing of this psalm was when Hezekiah and the people of Israel were surrounded by the Assyrians. And Hezekiah went into the prophet Isaiah and asked him to pray for deliverance. And he did. And God killed, I think, 180,000 Assyrians that day. And the Assyrian king had to go back to his country where his own sons killed him. It, it was a terrifying story, but that's part of the Word of God. And this, this chapter that we've just read, a lot of it just flows right along with what was happening there. And God delivered them. And I want to talk about God tonight. I want to talk about who is God. And not that He's going to change, but that our opinion of God needs to maybe change if we don't have the right opinion of God. But when we get the right opinion of God, wow, watch out. Because when we get the right opinion of God, there is nothing impossible. He will move and minister. We're going to see that tonight. It says here, God is our refuge. And the word for God there in the Hebrew is the word Elohim, which is the plural form for God. The singular form is El. But this word is used 2,600 times in the Old Testament. I think that's pretty important. 2,600 times. Now, the Bible is unique because 66 books... 40 authors, and yet the Bible, you can follow the theme of the Bible throughout. No matter who was the author, no matter the time and the dispensation, it, it flows. 
And we can look at this and say, God, Elohim, you are our refuge. You are the one that we can stand on when everything else is falling apart. We can stand. When the world is crumbling, we can stand. When things are not going as we think they should, we can stand. Why? Because of who He is. Hallelujah. Because of who He is. He is the one that makes the difference. He is. He is the Lord also. And that is in this passage, this chapter. And it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is Jehovah in the Hebrew, or Yahweh. He is the self-existent one. What that means for us is this. He has no beginning and no ending. He was not created. He has no one that he depends on or that he even answers to. He's the final answer. Praise God. It's good to know that one who is the ultimate, isn't it? Amen. When we know the ultimate answer, the ultimate God, wow, that's powerful. Powerful. Did I tell you that that word Jehovah is used 6,519 times in the Old Testament? Wow. That's a powerful representation of God. God, Elohim, by the way, again, the woman, let's go back to that thought about it being plural, Elohim being plural. It doesn't mean that there are three gods, but it means that God is eternally present in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? It's, and we can, we can say with Israel, bless the Lord, the Lord is one. We believe that the Lord is one. You know, and I uh, remember when I was a summer intern, first time, first summer, I had this big idea. I was going to, well, with the youth, you know, I said, this big idea. I said, I'm going to teach these children about, these young people about God. And so I got this big idea. I've got a table, right? And if you're going to be a youth pastor, you don't want to do this, all right? I'll just tell you right up front. I got a table, and I was going to put chairs up on top of there, three chairs. And I was going to represent Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I was going to have the, the kids sit up there on the chairs. And I went in and told the pastor, senior pastor, I said, what do you think about this idea? This is what I'm going to do. He said, well, uh, probably don't want to have them sitting up there on the table, for one. And for two, that gives kind of the indication that we believe that there are three gods. But we don't believe that there are three gods. We believe that there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one. Praise the Lord. And when we have that concept of God and the proper concept of God, He can begin to work in our behalf. And when we hold on to the fact that He is the Lord, He is the one who is the self-sufficient one, the one who supplies all of our needs. He is Jehovah, and nothing is impossible for Him. Amen. We can stand firm. We can stand firm. Now, I must go back just a moment and to that word Elohim again. I don't want anybody to misconstrue what, what I'm saying. I'm not saying that 
the, that I believe the oneness doctrine. I'm not saying that. Sibelianism is not what I'm teaching you here tonight. Sibelianism says Jesus was God the Father in the Old Testament. In the Gospels, he was Jesus. And in the church age, he is the Holy Spirit. That's Sibelianism. It was declared a heresy by the church fathers. So I'm not teaching that. <laughs> but I'm teaching that they're Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they work together. The three in one. Amen. You can see it in the book of Genesis chapter 1 where it says, And God was there, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then it says in the book of John chapter 1, it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word is Jesus Christ. So the Word, Jesus Christ, was there in the beginning with God. Jesus didn't just start out in the Gospels. That was just His coming to live as a man. He existed before that time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's go on. So he was there when the world began. God was there. And so God knows. God created this world. Did you know that all human beings have, what is it, 46 chromosomes? Can somebody help me? I think that's what it is. Yeah, 46 chromosomes. All human beings. Wow. I mean, we're talking white or black or is Hispanic or Oriental, we all have the same chromosomes. And we all come from the same bloodline. Amen. And, and we're fearfully, the Scripture says, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because God formulated us with His hands. When He made Adam from the dust of the earth, God made us. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Because it says, He is our Creator. And what's it say? God created man in His own image. God said, first of all, let us make man in our image. Right? And what's He saying there? He's using that plural there again. God, Elohim, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man. To be in our image. What is the image of God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What are we? We are body, soul, and spirit. We are a tripart being. If your soul or your spirit leaves, your body is not going to function. If your body breaks down, your spirit and soul are going to leave your body. That's just simple the way it is. You are, you, you're stuck with yourself. <laughs> Make the best of it, right? <laughs> but... You are who you are, and God has made you unique. And God has made you like Him. And that's wonderful. And like we sang tonight, we were created to worship Him. We were made in His image and made to worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. And this is why, and I'm going to talk about this next week, uh, about who is the enemy, who is Satan. Because this is why Satan got ticked off at God and decided he wanted to rebel is because he saw man worshiping God. And I'll get into that next week. But 
that you know he he was supposed to lead us in worship to God. His whole body was an instrument. You can imagine that. But he wanted to do his own thing. And so he rebelled, he fell, God judged him. He took a third of the angels with him, which means that praise God, there's still two thirds up there in heaven and throughout the earth. So we got the advantage. And so we can go back to our scripture, back up in Psalm 46. It says, He is our refuge, and He is our strength. He is our oz, is the Hebrew word. At first glance, the transliteration, if you pull it up in Strong's, it says oz, and it makes you wonder, wow, is that where maybe they got this thing about the Wizard of Oz? But that's not how it's pronounced. It's pronounced oz. O-Z-E. And here's what it means. God is our refuge. He is our might. He is our strength. He is our physical, personal, social, political standby. He will be with us in whatever situation we find ourselves confronted with. He is there. He is there. He's just as close as the mention of His name. If we call on the name of Jesus, the Son, He's right there. He sends His Holy Spirit to come alongside us too so that we know His presence, just like we felt His presence tonight. And we find Him to be our strength in the most difficult of circumstances, in the most heartbreaking of situations. We know that we know that we know that God is still God. And we stand on that. And in the midst of difficult situations that we're confronted with, when all the world looks at us and says, why are you so calm? Why are you not a basket case? We can say, because I know my God. My God is my strength. My God is my refuge. My God is my fortress. He's my help, my ever-present help in the time of need, which is the next phrase in the book of Psalms. He is my ever-present help in the time of need, which means He is available abundantly to help us or abundantly available to help us. Paul said that. Don't have it, Philip. I didn't give it to you. Sorry. Sometimes Holy Spirit brings these scriptures back to me in the middle. Paul said it, though, like this in Ephesians 3.20. He says, now unto him, he's talking about God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you are able to ask or think. Unto him be glory in the church. Wow. Oh, you might call me sometime. Or Pastor Zach, don't call Pastor Kevin, that's a long distance out of country call. But you might call us, but we'll do what we can. You understand what I'm saying? We'll do what we can. We'll pray for you. If you're in the hospital, we'll come and visit you. You know, if there is a tragedy, we'll stand by your side. But listen, God is our ever-present help in the time of need. He's right there. He's right there by the 
by his Holy Spirit. You know, this uh, <laughs> years ago I went to a Sunday school convention and uh, somebody did a skit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit and he was dressed up like a detective, you know, with his hat, fedora on and all that and his overcoat and he came on and, and the guy said, who are you looking for? He says, I'm looking for Holy Spirit. You can't see him, but he's always there. <laughs> and that's so true. You can't see him, but he's always there by your side to be your help, to be your guide, to be your strength. Amen. He will be there. Praise the Lord. Now, this says in verse 3, back in Psalm 46, Though the waters roar and be troubled. I want, I want to touch on that word troubled. Though the troubled. And the word for troubled there is the word Sarah. Remember that song? Hey, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. You know, that's that's Spanish phrase, I think. Hey, Sarah, right, Lucia? Okay. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that came from the Hebrew for that, but, but listen, to, listen to that as it was translated into the scriptures. What trouble, what trouble. <laughs> and then whatever will be, will be, is, you know, is what the, the world says. Wow. That's fatalism. You know, fatalism says, I can't change it. I can't change it. Uh, you know, in the 12-step program, you know, they had that serenity prayer that became a part of the 12-step program. It was adopted from someone else that wrote it. But it said, does God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference? Now, that's a wise prayer, but it's not a prayer of fatalism. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's not a prayer of fatalism when we know our God and when we know what he wants. It's not a prayer of fatalism. Now, our pastor, when we were growing up, Brother Truett, Clifford Truett, kind of tongue-in-cheek, he would say this, whatever will be, will be, even if it never comes to pass. Think about that. That's kind of fatalism. Whatever will be, will be, even if it never comes to pass. In other words, we can't do anything about it, and God probably can't either. I got a tail, just like Eeyore. I got a tail. You know, I'm pretty, you know, attached to it. Eeyore would always go, Eeyore. Beloved, God is a great God. And God is waiting. He's waiting. I said, he's waiting for us to wake up and step up. Wow. God's waiting on me? Yeah. God's waiting on me. So I have a question for you. I'm not done yet. I'm only on page one. But I have a question for you. Psalm says God is our very present help in trouble. Are we just supposed to roll over then and take whatever happens to us? Did you put the no up there, Philip? 
No, <laughs> we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to just roll over and take whatever happens to us and say, well, that must be what's supposed to happen. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. No, God is our help in the time of trouble. If we consider that he is our God, Elohim, and our Lord, Jehovah, then let's start allowing our hearts to be his dwelling place. Because that's what verse 4 says. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. In one translation, ooh, it says this, the holy places, the holy places of the tabernacle of the Most High. Did you hear that? Make God your dwelling place. We don't have a tabernacle anymore. We don't even have a temple anymore that the Jews worshipped at. Now we have become the temple of God. Whoa, make God your dwelling place. Paul said it in another way. He said, let God dwell in you richly. I get a picture of God coming into your heart and stretching out into that room. Stretching out into that room and stretching out into that room and stretching out into that room. He's just stretching out all over inside of us. Don't hold any room back. Let him be totally inside your dwelling place. And you know what happens in there? When that happens is, verse 4 says that his river, his stream flows. Warren Wiersbe, anybody heard of Warren Wiersbe? Passed away now, I think, but you know, he's used to be, I, I'm thinking it was on Back to the Bible broadcast, but anyway, never mind. In his book on commentary on the Psalms, he says this scripture is pointing to John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that's what this verse says. Out of the holy places of the tabernacle come the streams that make glad the city of God. Out of our being, as we make God the place, his, our hearts his dwelling place, he begins to flow out of us. And, of course, in John's translation in the Greek, that is the word for rhema, that shall flow. So as we enter into God's presence, there's a rhema word that begins to flow through us. An on-time word, a right word. A word that comes right from the heart of God. You ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say? You ever been in a situation then where you said something and you said, yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah, I've been there and you have too. And that's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And when he rumbles inside of you and that stream begins to flow, he then flows out of you with words of life. Hallelujah. 
words of life, words of hope, words of strength for other people. So verse 5 says, be steadfast, be immovable. Don't totter. Don't slip. Don't shake. Don't fall, whatever you do. I'm done with falling. I had a house with stairs in it. I didn't fall down the stairs. I did fall up the stairs a couple of times. But don't fall. You know, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional, don't don't be that way. Be immovable. And look for God to help when His dawn comes. God will help her just at the break of dawn, the Scripture says. At the very last moment, when you think that there is no hope, that there is no answer, God will show up. Because God is very interested in you and what is happening in your life. Because just like we sang about tonight, He loves you. He loves you. Yes, He does. He loves you. <laughs> and nobody is going to make Him stop loving you. His love is eternal. Praise God. And He will always be searching for you and reaching out to you and loving on you because that's what He's all about. Praise God. It doesn't give us any license to do anything sinning or anything like that. But just know that He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Praise God. Then in verse 7, it says again, The Lord Jehovah is our refuge and our stronghold. And the word for refuge here is a word that means our high place, our retreat, where we can go. A secure height. That place of prayer you were talking about in the middle of the night. That's a place of refuge. That's a place of strength. I got up the other night and, and in the middle of the night I woke up you know, to go to the bathroom and I get back to bed and I just lay there praying in the spirit. Went to sleep. I don't even remember how long I laid there and prayed but went to sleep praying in the spirit. God wants us to do those kind of things. To seek Him. To draw near to Him. And when we do, there is a great thing that's going to happen. Verse 9 talks about the destruction of the weapons of war. That Assyrian army is going to be no match for you because God is on your side. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah, is on your side and He's fighting this battle. You don't even have to do anything except praise Him. Hallelujah. Proclaim that He will destroy all the weapons of war. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. Amen. It is ours. It is part of our heritage in the Lord to proclaim it. Now, if you must, take anointing oil and go around and anoint all of your doors. If you must, 
Walk around the property where you live and say, God said he will give Joshua every place where the foot of his, his the bottom of his foot walked, and I'm believing that for my property and for my family. Praise God. Let's not be mamby-pamby Christians just rolling over when the enemy comes against us. Amen? Let's be bulldogs. Stand up and fight the enemy and go forth in victory. Verse 11 talks about making God the God of Jacob. It's interesting that they put that. Why didn't he say the God of Israel? I think he's given us a message. Holy Spirit inspired this. Make God the God of Jacob your refuge. The God of when you were treacherous, when you were a liar, just like Jacob. God was there for you. Make the God of refuge. Remember where you came from and remember what God brought you through. And make Him your refuge. And in the midst of where some of you may be sitting right now, as you watch this on video or Facebook, Remember that God can be right there for you. It doesn't matter even if you've got a bottle in front of you or if you've got drugs in front of you. God is there. And He is able to stop that right now and deliver you from that. And we have people in our fellowship can attest to that and you can be free also. Amen. Be still, verse 10 says, let's go back. It says, be still and know that He is God in your situation. He's God in your situation. He's God. Whatever it is, however bad it is, or however good it is, He is God. He is God. Know that He is God. In Daniel chapter 11 Verse 32, that same word for know there, yada, is used in Daniel, which means to perceive, to know by experience, confess, be still and know that he is God. Go to that Daniel verse, brother. Do you have it in there? That's all right, I got it in paper. Just give me a moment, I will find it. I didn't tab my Bible. Verse 32, chapter 11, verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. That's talking about the enemy is going to deceive. But listen to what it says next. But the people, but the people. When you say the people, that's me. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out exploits. When we know God, when we get into that personal relationship with Him, there is a strength that comes when God comes into our situation. You know what? God is just waiting for us to realize who He is and to put our foot down in prayer. Right? And say, you know, that secular song, it's, it's wrong, but, you know, 
We need, we need to sometimes get this attitude. Uh, we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. Amen. We're going to make a stand against the enemy. Praise God. We're going to make a stand for our families. We're going to make a stand for our state, for our city. We're going to make a stand for our country. We're going to make a stand for whatever the Lord wants to do. We're going to make a stand for deliverance from addiction, for freedom in the people's hearts. We're going to make a stand. Praise God. Genesis 3.8, the Lord God sought Adam, his voice, in the middle of the day. God seeking people. Oh, wait a minute. Adam sinned. Well, God should have just given up on him right then. He didn't. God was still seeking him. God's still seeking you. God's still seeking me. God's still seeking those that are watching my YouTube. He's still seeking you because he loves you. Just like we sang about earlier, he loves you. He's still seeking you. He's calling out to you with his voice. Exodus, Ezekiel 22, 30. God says this, I sought for a man, put a woman in there also. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That was in Ezekiel's day. I think God still has that for today. God says, I sought for a man or a woman to be in the workplace where you are. I sought for somebody to stand up for people who are lost, who are in need of a Savior. I sought for someone. Are you that man? Are you that woman? God is seeking for them. God is seeking. I sought for someone who lives in the neighborhood where you live to carry the gospel message and the love of Christ to people. I sought for someone. Will we be that one? Will we? I sought for someone to go into Walmart and to be a, put on a smile. I sought for someone to go in there and to embrace the ugly and the hurting. I sought for someone. Are we going to be that one? God is seeking for those people who will do what he wants to, to be done. He's seeking for someone to stand in the gap and to wall the wall. That's what that verse means, to wall the wall, stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Because the, the word there is used twice. The word for hedge is used twice in that, the Hebrew word is. Or, and it could be translated hedge or wall. So he's asking for someone to come and to stand, to wall up the wall. There's a hole there in the wall where someone's hurting and they're, they've been deceived by the enemy. They're being carried away. And we need to wall it up so that they can come in and find a place of refuge in Jesus. Or we could say it's a hedge. We need to hedge up the hedge so that they can come in and be secure. Wall up the wall. Hedge up the hedge. God's seeking for someone to do that. He is, and that word for seek, by the way, is this. It's, it's bakas, but it means to seek, require, and desire. God requires someone 
make up a hedge, to make up a wall. Only occasionally will God sovereignly reach down to a person, but mostly he's looking for us to go and to be the light of Jesus to the world. That really is our calling. Praise God. Whew. Man. The children of Israel sinned. And the plague went throughout the camp. <coughs> Numbers 16, 40, 46 through 48. Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from off the altar. Put incense in it. Censer and the incense are a type of prayer. Okay? Incense would be a sweet prayer. It wouldn't be a prayer, my God, you judge those pure people. If the plague is on right now, you just judge them and set them right. Because they're wrong, and they've rebelled against you, and they don't need to be a part of what we're doing. That's not incense. You hear that? That's not incense. Ooh, that God would give us a heart. For people. Oh, that God would touch us for people. That when we see them, we don't see them as they really are, but we see them as God sees them. Broken and dirty and needing the Savior, needing the Jesus to come and to minister unto them. Hurting and not knowing which way to turn, not knowing who has the answer, but we have the answer. We do. He took fire from the altar and put incense in it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. Make atonement for them. Make atonement for them. Bring them back to a place of oneness with God, of relationship to God. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Oh, beloved. The plague has begun. In our world, it's already there. The plague is already there. I'm not talking about a physical plague. I'm talking about the plague of sin and the plague of failures and the plague of hurting and the plague of people that are lost without a Savior. It's there. And God was going to wipe out Israel for their sin. But Aaron and Moses stood up and said, God, don't wipe out Israel. And when Aaron went out there with that censer of sweet-smelling incense, saying, God, don't wipe them out. God, have mercy. God, be God. God, be the Lord. But have mercy on these people. Scripture says the plague was stayed because they stood in the gap. They stood in the gap. First Timothy 2.1 says, pray for all. Hmm. There's that word all. What does that mean? All. Pray for all. Pray for all. 
supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I can't be thankful for that person. That, you don't know how they are. They are just so ugly, and you know their belief system is is really twisted. I can't be thankful for them. They're a human being. They've been deceived by the enemy. You can be thankful for them, and you can pray for them. Prayers be made for all. Let's go on to First Timothy two four. What is God's desire? God desires that all. There's that word again. All men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants. Will it happen? Well, probably not because we've read the end of the book. Revelation talks about the Antichrist and people rebelling against God and all that's going to happen. We know that. But still, God's desire is for people to come to him and come in relationship with him. I'm not talking about becoming a member of a church. I'm talking about praying and repenting and asking Jesus to come and live in your heart by the Holy Spirit and then living for him day by day. That's what I'm talking about. God wants everybody to be saved. Will you push with me? Will you push with me beginning today? Here's what push, the acronym push means. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Praise God. Stand up with me, will you? Praise the Lord. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never changing. Oh, glory and praise be to your name, almighty God. Oh, Lord, we have felt your presence in this place tonight. We know, Lord, that you are Lord and there is no one that is likened to you. We know, Lord, that whatever situation we may be facing, there is nothing impossible for you. We believe that you are Lord and you are fully able to do anything that is needed because you are Lord. We worship you tonight. Come and make us your habitation. Come and make us your dwelling place. And help us, Lord, that we might flow with Holy Spirit light unto the hurting and the people that we come in contact with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I told you that we were going to pray at the end, and so what I'm saying is, is if you need to go, you may go, but if you want prayer, I'm going to be here. I'm going to believe God with you. If God is stirring something in your heart or there's something weighing heavy on you, I want to believe with you for God to take care of it. Amen? Amen. So, Brother Randy, could you go play some music for us? Amen.